Greetings, family. Welcome to another edition of Just Reasoning, the podcast on my Soul River production. So, what is our topic today? Today, we're just reasoning on redlining. Uh, now, what is redlining? Uh, redlining was a practice um, put into place at the highest levels of the federal gov- government. I mean, written in <laughs> clear language, where the government outlined certain areas, um, primarily around you know big cities, um, in color-coded maps, where if a certain neighborhood was outlined in red, um, that means it was risky to for investment um, so this was done primarily to segregate uh, and shut out investment from communities that are primarily populated by black people so just straight racist policies where you take a map of a city you look at where the majority of black people live and you shade that and color it and say it is unsafe for investment. So that means you can't get uh, home loans, you can't get uh, business loans, you can't get loans. So this was, again, uh, not just a practice of a few banks here and there. Uh, This was the United States government who outlined certain areas that said that it's populated by black people, so it's risky for you to invest there. Uh, And this was something that when put into practice uh, in the 1930s, you know, so we look at the condition of our communities today, and we have discussions around affirmative action and, um, you know, in business and in education and what have you, um, you know, you get a lot of push pushback from people who say, you know, slavery was a long time ago. I, I had nothing to do with slavery. Um, but the reasons why it is necessary for um, this government uh, at all levels, federal, state, local, to put in policies to um, to assist the advancement of people who they purposely, um, you know, structurally put in rules and regulations that made it difficult for black people to survive in this country. Yes, slavery was a long time ago. After slavery, you had Jim Crow, you had all these other things that meant to keep a permanent underclass of black people. And again, this is when now we go forward like redlining where these actual laws are put into place like in the 1930s. Um, so you think of the generations of black people who weren't able to get loans for houses. And, and when it's when they're in those areas and they can't really get loans for houses, then you have a lot of predatory lenders who come in and give them, you know, ridiculous um, rates, you know, which go into, or, or they can't buy at all. You know, at, where it just ruins credit. It's it it limits them in a lot of different ways, um, and for the majority of 
wealth for most, let's say, middle class, lower middle class, the middle class um, people comes from home ownership. So when you have generations of people, of black people, who are not able to buy homes, not able to pass on homes to um, their, you know, children and grandchildren, um, you know, <laughs> that just increases the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Um, I saw, I read something the other day that said, if you look at the income gap, so the gap between um, what black people make and what white people make, just income, it's uh, about 60%. So black people make on average about 60% of what white people make. That's ridiculous in itself. When we talk about the wealth gap, how much are you worth? Black people, wealth is about 5% of white people's wealth, 5%. A large part of that comes to, traces back to the history of redlining. We couldn't own our homes, so we couldn't develop the wealth that you're able to get through home ownership. Um, that is, you know, a continued sin of this government. So when, when you look at a lot of the state of our communities that, you know, um, they have, you know, they're, uh, Rundown buildings and um, no investment, you know, no, no banks, no, um, you know, places to shop. A lot of these things that are missing from some of our communities. That's why they say they are underserved because this practice that went into place years ago, the effects linger on today. Um, you know, the red line was officially outlawed, uh, I think around the 1960s, the Fair Housing Act. But the practice, not only does the practice still happen today, maybe to a lesser degree, but the effects and the impact of what had happened, you know, decades ago still lingers on today. So when you see a lot of our, you know, communities, um, you know, uh, gang infested, crime infested, it's a, it's a lack of opportunity there. It's, it's, it's nothing, and that was purposely put into place. When you see a lot, they talk about a lot of our ghettos, and there's nothing going on within these areas uh, across all our major cities, you know, um, that was, <laughs> it's not by accident. That's the thing that we need to understand. It's not by accident. It happened by design. Where in legal language, in letters, this government said you cannot um, loan to black people or and say you cannot, but it is very risky to intro mortgages in this area because black people live there. Just listen to that. Because black people live there, you really shouldn't invest in this area. So because of that, again, that scares away business investors um, who may want to build up a shopping center. And so what you think about, you know, the kids or, you know, people in that area who could possibly have a job in these shopping centers, now they don't have that. Um, and so that pattern uh, has really had a disastrous impact in our communities. And another thing that goes along with that, it comes out, it also comes around to education. As you think about how our schools are funded in this country, we can argue whether or not that's the best way to do it, but it's through property taxes. So houses in these red line areas have low property value, so they get less property taxes, therefore less money to go towards schools, 
therefore poor state of education. Uh, and so <laughs> this goes into just, again, maintaining a permanent underclass by design of this government going back years and years and years and years. All right, so that's red line. That's the history of it. So the question comes around to what next? What now? Um, I think for one, it's, it's, it's important to understand um, how these things, how our communities got to be the way that they are. It's not by accident. It's important to understand that. Because when we talk about remedies, how do we fix this? Uh, if you understand a little bit better about how it was the problem began to be, you know, how, how, how this began, how this problem started to begin with, um, then you get to think about solutions. You know, the topic of uh, reparations uh, comes about and, you know, some people blow it off and say, ah, 40 acres and a mule, you're not getting that, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, well, you know, in, in what form it takes, yes, we can have that debate. But is it necessary? It is definitely necessary from the standpoint of it's not like, you know, <laughs> um, we black people just didn't want to advance. Um, this government made policies to make sure that basically that black people suffered and they couldn't get loans and couldn't build wealth and couldn't do these things. Therefore, the same government that created those policies, that created our ghettos, that created these you know, um, communities with lack of investment, or lack of opportunity, they created this. So that same government has a responsibility to put in policies that improves upon the situation. What does that look like? Um, you know, programs around, um, you know, enabling, you know, you know, building um, wealth for black people through home ownership, you know, whether it's down payment assistance, um, you know, uh, business development assistance, or just or investing within communities to give people incentive to invest in some of these underserved communities that don't have a bank, that don't have, you know, a grocery store, that, you know, that don't have any of these services, um, you know, uh, incentivize people to build within these areas. I mean, it, it's a whole lot of different things that we can uh, look, and and there is no you know one size fits all. Um, and, you know, so another thing that <laughs> comes about that, and we talk about the um, the issue of gentrification. So um, <laughs> I, I would say ironically, but it's not ironic. It, it was by design. So if, if you look at most of these red line areas where around, um, you know, central parts of the cities, you know, uh, downtown, um, that, that sort of thing. Those were the red line areas. And those are primarily populated by black people. So decades pass by. And what happens now? Now that land becomes valuable. Um, and so what happens is cities now raise property taxes in these areas. So the black people who live there um, it's private, primarily black people cannot afford it no, to, to live there because of the property taxes are so high. And so what happens is now they are displaced. Now they can't live within these areas. So what happens now? They come in, uh, you know, clear out these, <laughs> these people who they had forced to be there through these redlining policies. 
knock down their, their old houses, build up these, you know, $500,000 million townhomes, and now that, that is like high dollar real estate. That same trend is happening all over this country. Um, you know, in Houston here, in the Third Ward area, in the Heights area, um, you know, in, in Harlem, in Brooklyn, in all these places where, okay, we're going to put you in this area and not give it investment. We're going to, um, you know, make it difficult for people to live there, these poor communities. And then decades later, we're going to find value in the land. We're going to raise property taxes to get you out of there. So now we can make some money off it. Man, this government, this this U.S. government is something else. Um, so, it's it's something to um, that we should inform ourselves of and understand it. And once we understand it, then we seek solutions. Um, so, do you, some research on the topic, redlining. Uh, understand how our communities got to be the way that they are understand how we fix them going forward because you know what's done is done it's happened how do we fix them um a lot of it comes through governmental policy so get active in involved in your local you know your city state government you know understand what they're doing understand things that they're um voting on and and beyond that those of us who are able to invest within our communities um you know whether it's you know buying up some properties um, you know, whether it's starting a business, starting a barbershop, starting a grocery store, you know, what have you. Um, let's invest in our communities, give opportunity to people who, who live in these areas. Um, these are things we're going to have to do. Um, redlining, it's yet another sin of this government um, meant to create a permanent underclass of black people. Um, of minority people that's just how this government rolls understand where you live understand what has taken place under their watch legally you know not some underhanded thing this was legal what they did at the time so we have to fight the impacts of it that's my reason on the subject redlining um, let's deal with this yet another sin of this government Bless my family, one love.